in our gift this morning of hearing those hymns and the story of Leroy's grandmother. It takes me back into my memories, and it's hard not to when someone is giving you that gift to, to go back and visit your own memories. I was doing so a little bit as I came to church this morning, and I remembered when I come to church as a kid and during the summer, uh, there's, there's a, a grass area in front of where my dad and I parked and my, when we went to church, and in that grass would always be growing dandelions, and I would like to go play in them. I always thought dandelions were pretty. My dad didn't spend a lot of time at home tending the lawn, so our lawn at home was filled with dandelions too. A fact not necessarily appreciated by our neighbors. Those of you who know dandelions know they only spend a little time as a flower and then the seeds go and blow into the neighbor's lawn. They aren't really well enjoyed by folks who keep their lawns because although they're flowers, they, they're Roots go deep, and they're really just hard to get rid of. Is a dandelion a flower or a weed? Want to vote? <laughs> I was also remembering I, I didn't, my, I never really enjoyed the company of my grandparents. I was born a little, quite a bit later in my generation than most, and but I had sort of adopted grandparents in the house behind me. And in the summers, uh, in springs and summers, I would mow their lawn. It took two and a half, hour, two and a half hours to mow with a hand, hand mower. You know, we have larger lawns back where I'm from. And uh, for, for that, I would be rewarded, rewarded with $6 and a bottle of Coca-Cola. Even back in that day, that wasn't a whole lot. But I did enjoy, actually, the act of mowing. It was something peaceful. But occasionally, you know, there's that, you'd run by, uh, I don't know, there's something pleasurable about mowing down weeds with a lawnmower. It just, just feels good. And at the edge of, their, edge of their garden, there's one plant that I knew I wasn't supposed to catch, but occasionally I would. And I sort of enjoyed mowing over it. It was Okra. I never liked okra, so it was sort of an odd sort of vengeance mowing over the okra. But when I was asked later how the okra got mowed over, I wouldn't confess to it. So are we weeds or wheat? Well, okra, okra was for me a weed, and to the okra, so was I. <laughs> One of the most important helps in studying scripture is genre. What kind of writing are we hearing? Is scripture we're hearing, is it a folk tale or poetry? You interpret the two kinds of texts differently. Is it a letter or is it a hymn? Sometimes Paul quotes a hymn in one of his letters. So it's, it's really interesting reading, and you cannot interpret by just pulling a verse out at random. You have to read around and figure out what kind of text it is. Now, Paul, he and Jesus, not Paul, Jesus enjoyed preaching uh, using parables, apparently, and we are in the section of Matthew that contains these harvests, these seed and sowing parables. Uh, parables often generate more conversation than answers, which is disturbing to those of us looking for answers. Parables are often told also with an edge. 
And Edge frequently sharpened against those of us who just came from church. (laughs) You've read a parable well if you unpack it on the way home and then begin fuming about it. They're sort of little, they're, they're dropped in our minds to provoke in us questions and conversations. One question we'd like an answer to is the problem of evil. Why is there sin and suffering in the world? Why do good things happen to bad people? I warn you, if you ever come across someone who claims to have an answer to that, I would begin to question them a little bit. The parable of the weeds and the wheat begins with the promise of having an answer. The question is posed. Master, where did the weeds come from? Answer, when everyone was asleep, some scoundrel snuck in and scattered bad seed in the field. There is a disorder present in the world, unpacking this, that does not come from God. It comes from somewhere else. But is that the point of the parable? I'm not so sure. Parables usually take up common, everyday examples in Jesus' time, and that's also where interpretation comes into play because Jesus' times are different than ours. So inside a story that's about common things, there's often something uncommon, something that stands out. And even for us today, the thing that stands out in this parable is this nighttime farming raid with seed into the into our field. One of my favorite interpreters, Barbara Taylor, assures us, though, that this isn't all that far-fetched. Her husband suggested it had merit because when he was in an undergraduate at Georgia Tech, he and his fraternity brothers sowed kudzu seed in their rival fraternities immaculately cared for lawn. Some of you, I had never heard of kudzu, but I always get that little murmuring when I mention it because some of you are from the South. At some point, uh, conservation experts in the South, experts, something in the early 20th century, thought the import of this, of this plant would help solve a soil conservation project, and so... Millions were planted in the South, and it turns out that the vines choke most everything out in its path, and they grow at a startling rate. The Department of Agriculture defines a weed as a plant that does more harm than good. Kudzu is a weed. The saying goes, if you're going to plant it, drop it and run. (laughs) So it is possible this nighttime fraternity prank into the harvest field of the kingdom. Sometimes I wish that Jesus didn't offer interpretations to his parables because I usually find his interpretation more objectionable. It goes into, it puts the, a fairly deep spin on the text that the harvest we're talking about is the harvest at the end of time where the good seed will be separated from the bad seed. And the first thing we want assurance of is that we aren't in the bad seed. 
Now things are heating up. Some people are good, some are evil. Let's look for an answer so we can sharpen our hoes and take to the field. That's the first response of the, of the folks in the text. Well, let us go out and weed the field. Isn't that so often what we want? The response, no. For in gathering them, you would uproot the wheat along with them. Let them grow until harvest. One of the reasons we would like to know the answer to the problem of evil is that we'd like to clean this place up. We'd like to tear out the weeds and burn them ourselves. In the name of God, human beings have tried it, and the results pollute our history. Inquisitions, reformations gone bad, crusades, jihads, evil and religion cooperate with one another quite nicely. But even when the secular world is, re- replaces, is replaced by religion, we managed, have managed to do the same thing and emerged from the last century with two world wars hanging upon our shoulders. The great temptation of religion is to presume that we have the right to do the weeding. When we are too certain of our answers, we are possessed with the temptation of diving into the field ourselves. Turns out that humanity is a poor judge of character. I wonder if that's the point of the, of the, of the parable. The issue in the parable is not who is wheat and who is weeds, but who has the right to the harvest, to do the harvesting. In her exposition of this text, Taylor suggests that the plant that had been sown in the field was something called darnel, which looks exactly like wheat when it grows. The problem with taking our hoe to the field is the good and the bad look so much alike. I'd like to think it's even more complicated than that. I'd like to think that in each of us, the good and bad is mixed. Harvest one, you harvest the other. There's good reason to believe this, As we are journeying together with our ancestors in faith, take Jacob, for instance, great, 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 great grandfather of the people of Israel. It'd be easy to dismiss him. In fact, we have. But keep in mind, he is also the ancestor of our Lord. At this point in the story, weed. (laughs) He will prove to be a liar and a cheat. He will be successful in life in all of the ways that we find that success is not earned. 
He will do it through cunning. He will do it through plots with his mother. Weed. Liar and a cheat. Even the translation of his name, Jacob, is ambiguous. At some point, he's a heel of a man. That's appropriate. Yet God will come to this, this one who's the wheat field of his heart is a mess of wheat and weeds. God will come to this one and say, Know that I am with you and will not leave you until I have done what I have promised. If we were allowed to go into the Old Testament and separate the weed from the wheat, Jesus would not have been born. Names like Jacob and Rebecca, Joseph and Moses, Mary and Matthew, the tax collector, seem far from heroes of faith. It's one of the things confusing to people when you set a Bible in front of them and tell them to read from front to back. They come to the Bible expecting heroes. They don't find them. This is actually why Scripture is so powerful if you allow it to be. We find in the text, the text is realistic in this. The, the, the figures in the text are so faulty. It gives me some comfort, it, that fact it does. Why is this world a mess? We are not, perhaps we are not given an answer. But the Bible is witness to God who takes us by the hand. A God who may be found tirelessly working in the garden to call the good out of us. There's a Buddhist metaphor that describes our lives as seeds and the manifestation of seeds. Going into the ground, all seeds look the same, but they, some grow and manifest in anger, others in joy. We can travel back in that field of our memories and dwell on those things that bring us peace, or we can dwell on those things that bring us hurt. The Buddhist teaching goes, every time a seed is allowed to manifest itself, it produces more seeds of the same kind like dandelions. Smiling seeds generate more smiling. Focus on the angry seeds generate more anger in us. Thich Nhat Hanh has said, if we don't practice smiling for years, you are going to forget how. The garden becomes choked with anger and complaining. There are many kinds of seed in us, good and bad. Some were planted in our lifetime. Some were gifts of our family, those memories. trans. Some of those gifts are not pleasant. Some have been a joy. Focus on the joy, the Buddhist metaphor goes. Water the good seeds. 
The trick is to water the good seeds, allow them to bloom, scatter into the neighbor's field. Isn't that a better picture of dandelion, spreading the joy of the gospel? Let people think they're weeds. We know better. Okra is still a weed. Don't spread okra. What we give our attention to, what we pay attention to, grows. This is what Buddhism calls mindfulness. The Apostle Paul, lest you think Buddhism is much different than Christianity, the Apostle Paul says, it's the way he closes the letter to the Philippians. Whatsoever things are good, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are beautiful, what brings you joy? Think on these things. And the God of peace will be with you. It's taken me three sermons now, but I think I've finally figured out the parable. I think the parable is a gift. Leave behind that seed called judgment. That's what everybody, that's what the the servants in, in this parable want to do. Jesus is saying, leave that seed aside, that you're not wise enough to separate the wheat from the tares. Leave that to God. You are free to focus on those that bring you joy. May it be so. And to God alone will be the glory, now and forever. Amen.